Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. So Nita's enjoying her theater Christmas right now. Yay, theater Christmas. Yeah. It's the best. Uh, Edmonton has one of the world's more notable fringe festivals. And if you don't know, a fringe festival is uh, a festival of small theatrical works. A bunch of plays, street performers usually, artistic things. Yeah, it, the, the concept is that it's a festival that allows smaller productions that would not normally get an opportunity to go up on a on a stage an opportunity to go up on a stage yeah and so you get a whole bunch of like weird experimental or just very ambitious stuff yeah that you wouldn't normally get an opportunity to enjoy and so it's a good time yeah most fringe shows are short one act, small cast shows. Yeah, well, because generally speaking, they want to recoup the cost at yeah, the very least. So exactly. you want to keep it small and do something fairly easy. Yeah, I like it. It is theater Christmas, in, in Edmonton especially, because yeah. our fringe is, is kind of a big deal. Yeah, and I mean, we run in theater circles. So uh, oftentimes, many of our friends are doing shows. So they're around the grounds regularly. There's stuff going on. So it's an opportunity to hang out. Yeah. Spend time with friends, see shows, it's, see our friends' shows. Yeah, see our friends' shows, watch our friends perform. It's it's really great. I love it. I try to go as much as I can every year. It's Theater Christmas, like Scott said. And we're right in the middle of it right now. And I'm excited. So I know that there are other French festivals around the world. Famously one in the UK, <laughs> which is where this book is set. You may have heard of it if you heard all theatrical. Little Little interesting touchstone between... Edmonton and I suppose Edinburgh in the case of yes uh, the Edinburgh Fringe being the the big Fringe festival over there. That's kind of a, a segue then to talking about the UK where our novel takes place. You can do it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're not currently in the book. They're not celebrating the Fringe. They're celebrating the Queen who is getting feted because it is her birthday times. And uh, brief recap of our previous chapter in which the Queen is feted. Because it is her birthday times. <laughs> yes, indeed. We get one little piece of case information, and then we carry on with birthday times. Yeah, and that leads us basically directly into chapter 19 of The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett. So the main event of the Queen's birthday has kind of wrapped up. Yes. And... I mean, she's already late solving the mystery. It did not get solved in time for her birthday celebrations, unfortunately, which has kind of 
put a bit of a pall on it for her. Like, it, it hasn't spoiled anything. It hasn't ruined anything. She's put on her queen face and done the queen stuff she needs to do. But at the back of her mind, it's still this unsolved thing, and it's bothering her. Yes. And this is certainly the case as the Obamas arrive for their big visit. So, after your birthday, you get a visit from the president and the first lady, you know, as you do. Well, I'm under the impression that this was timed to coincide with her birthday. Probably. Yeah. Like, it's a state visit that was to also celebrate her birthday. Yeah. Yeah. As you do. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's it's a big to-do. There's security details and things need to get sorted out and whatnot. And the queen does have the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Michelle Obama. Yeah. There was a, a sort of rearranging because protocol must be followed and they're trying to merge two probably different protocols together yeah. to make sure that, you know, rules are being followed, but people are still happy and things got rearranged a bunch. But yes, basically the president is riding with Prince Philip and the queen is riding with Michelle Obama and they all just kind of get to chat yeah, and hang out and they get to be official for a little while because of course this is a big deal. Yeah. Right? The, the cameras and newsmen are everywhere. Well, and the queen actually uh, reflects for a moment that it's kind of nice for there to be another woman there who the paparazzi are more interested in getting pictures of. Yes. Someone else there for them to care about. <laughs> it takes, takes a little bit of that off of her for a, a short while. But yeah, that's kind of the thrust of this chapter. Is It's mostly about the Obamas kind of arriving and settling yeah. into... To their visit. But we do once again get a little smattering of mystery. Yes, we get a bit of the case. So the lab tests have come back. The hair that was found on Brodsky's body has been confirmed that it does belong to Rachel Stiles. Yeah, which is an interesting bit of information. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that she killed him. But it does mean she was definitely in the building. Yes, it means that... Well, it means that her hair made it onto his body somehow, yes. right? So eh. the queen is not pleased by this because it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't it doesn't answer any questions. No. Right? Things are still very muddy. Yeah. But as I say, it does confirm that Rachel Stiles, the real Rachel Stiles, whose DNA they can verify, was in the building that night. Yeah. It wasn't an imposter. I assume that the hair was matched to the body, right? As opposed to something already on file. Well, I don't know why they would have anything on file. That's actually a fair point. If the body they have was of the imposter, then it matches the body they have. We'll put it that way. Yeah, the person that who Rachel died, Stiles. The person who died, who we assume is Dr. Rachel Stiles, was in the building that night. Yeah. And it does match her hair. But we already knew that the person that the police spoke to was the person in the building that night. Whether or not that person is Dr. Rachel Stiles remains a question. Right. But whoever was in the building was the person who the police talked to and does definitely have a link to Brodsky now because her hair was found with him. Yeah. Now, apparently when she was questioned, we find out that she did confirm she did run into Brodsky in the hallway at some point. She said, yeah, I bumped into him. We chatted for a minute. That was it. That yeah. was the extent of our probably exchange. polite small talk, and then everybody yeah. went their merry way. And they're like, "Well, that could explain maybe how there was a transfer of a little bit of like material. Like it's possible if they bumped into each other, a handshake, uh, a pat well, on the yeah, arm, like brushing against one another, literally bumped into each other. Yeah, right. Like any physical transfer could have resulted in her hair being on his body that night. Yeah, exactly. 
Or she could have been in the room when he was murdered. Or she could, who knows? Hard to say. We also don't know why they might have bumped into one another and talked to one another. It could have been small talk. This could tie back to the wild, crazy, irresponsible speculation I had earlier that they knew one another. Maybe. We know Brodsky had a girlfriend at one point that he had broken it off with. Yeah. Who would have been probably in Dr. Stiles' age range. Yep. I remember we talked about this. Yeah. Absolutely. So that could be a connection too. They might have known one another. I have an insane theory to put forward. By all means. It is uh, possible. I don't know how probable it is. What if there's no such person as Rachel Stiles? What you're suggesting is that, quote unquote, Dr. Rachel Stiles is a cover identity. Yes. That Rachel Stiles doesn't actually exist. That the person we know as Dr. Rachel Stiles is an agent. Yeah. And that Rachel Stiles is a cover persona for somebody else. Right? Yeah. Okay, so they made up a background for her. That's pretty common, right? They gave her various decorations, purely cosmetic, which is why she didn't understand the question about the metal. Because it's part of her backstory, but who cares? Yeah. Like I said, it's very irresponsible. It's a possibility that the Rachel Styles that we've been presented with is not a real person. That's not impossible. And one of the things that like flags that in my brain that immediately makes that make sense to me is that she has no identifiable immediate family. Her father is dead. Right. Her mother is dead. She has a brother who's kind of in the wind as much as possible so that she can wear this decoration. Like it was mentioned that she does have a brother apparently, but uh. so like that means that she's a woman with very few ties outside of her job. Yeah. So plausible. Right? There's been so much about Dr. Styles so far that has been plausible. We know so little factual evidence about her. She is practically a ghost. Yeah. In that we can see her, but she has no substance. Like, we found nothing concrete that proves she's a person and nothing concrete that proves that she's not a person. Right? And that is so weird this many chapters in. It's a little sus. It Just is saying. super sus. Just saying. And now we know that she has a physical tie to the murder. Yes. Her hair was on a dead man's body. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I have not gone back in the book to check. The hair, was it not found under the rope around his neck? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's probably not just innocently there. Hard to Like say. I said, it doesn't prove that she murdered him, but it does provide a connection between the two we just don't and know it, what that connection is and it certainly strongly points to her being in the room i don't know what time that would have happened and why she would have needed to be accounted for in another way but we can't account for her in any other way no we can't all we know about her the night of the murder was that she was in the building and she bumped into brodsky at some point we can't account for any of her comings or goings that night we know nothing about the timeline of dr rachel styles in the castle it's true she could have gone up to the room and killed that man. To be fair, we don't even know 100% the timeline of Brodsky that night. We Well, we know certain facts yeah. about Brodsky. We know no facts about Styles, other than she was at the wine and dine that the queen dropped in on. Dine and sleep. No, the dine and sleep is the whole evening. She was at the, the networking meeting. Oh, yeah, yeah. With okay, the mucky sorry. mucks that you the queen dropped in on. That's the only thing we know that she was doing that night. Right. And now we know that at some point after that, she bumped into Brodsky in the hallway. Yeah. Literally nothing else. And somehow one of her hairs 
got under the rope that was around his neck. Yeah. Right? It seems really sus. Super sus. I'm not willing to go into the accusing parlor and say that she outright murdered the man at this point, but there's a lot of suspicion going on. And we don't know what her motive might have been. And if she did, then we need to find a whole nother murderer because she's dead. Yeah. If we have our fire triangle of murder. Right. She has only opportunity at the moment. She was, we have no idea what she was up to that night and we will never probably find out her alibi because she's dead. Right. So she had opportunity, but we don't necessarily know that she had means or motive. It's all still really muddy and a big mess. And I can see why the queen is frustrated with this because this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. But we now, we definitely have another suspicious person who may have done it. Maybe. We just don't know why. Right. And we may never get a satisfactory answer because she's dead. But she also died under suspicious circumstances, which points to there being a mastermind. Right. Or another person who was in the room who wanted her bumped off. It could be. Again, it's all very muddy. And how does this tie back to Vadim getting attacked last chapter? Who knows? Again, I totally understand the Queen's frustration because none of this seems to connect properly. No. And she doesn't have the time to focus on it at the moment because she's involved in all this state business. Talking about state business. Mm-hmm. So Mr. President seems privy to some information that one would think he should not be. Yeah, but it's the United States and its intelligence. I know. Let's be honest. It came through the CIA who probably got it from MI5. Yeah. And let's be also very upfront about this. He's going to spend time at Windsor Castle. There was just a murder there. His security detail is going to get informed. Oh, yeah. So he would have this information. But... It was the way he asked the question. He specifically mentions the loyalties, Mm. right? And so the queen makes the joke about the butler doing it. Yeah. Right? Which means he's getting his info from MI5. To me, that confirms that it's coming via MI5 because that is the tree that they are barking up. Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. Right? MI5 and the CIA probably are talking to one another. Especially if they suspect there's a Russian link, and they do. Of course they do. They believe there was a Russian agent working on the Queen's detail. That's, that's, they're laser focused on that. Yes. So it makes sense that they would be talking to the CIA about it. And again, especially with the Obamas coming for a state visit right away, they'd absolutely be trying to get information and trying to make sure that things will be safe for when the president's there. Of course. So it makes sense to me that there's that exchange of information. I just... I don't know if I found it mysterious or just tactless that he brought it up. Mm, I don't think that it's necessarily mysterious or tactless. I think that in that moment, he was very earnestly like, hey, do you need some help? Like, <laughs> I, have can, this, I have this whole agency at my disposal. Like, we can, if this is a foreign intelligence thing, you're one of our closest allies. Do you need some assistance? See, but the thing is, the queen knows that MI5 is wrong. So she sort of has to dismiss it. Yeah. Right? Which leads to, I think, a really sweet character moment for President Obama. And she, she jokes about, you know, how the how they think the butler did it. Mm-hmm. Right? And then we switch, in, in one paragraph, we switch into his point of view and his reflections on, like, where he came from and mm-hmm. what he's gone through to get where he is and the appreciation that he has for the people around him. Mm-hmm. And it was this really nice connection that she, I made between the two of them, even yeah. if they didn't make it. She doesn't outright say, I don't believe MI5 is right. No, good but she, no. But the subtext of the way she words it is very much like, I trust my people. 
And Barack Obama's reply is, I also trust my people. Like, he's agreeing with her there. Yeah. He's picking up what she's laying down, is basically what I think right? is going on there. It was just... <laughs> it was a, an unusual situation that led to what I thought was a very nice moment. Yeah. And that's right where our chapter ends. Yeah, it's... Or if anything, it's a shorter chapter than last it chapter. It was, what, like maybe three pages long? It was short and sweet. We got a, a teeny little tidbit of information. I actually appreciate that the last two chapters have been rather short. Uh, despite the fact that they are going over the Queen's kind of itinerary during this birthday celebration she's going through, and it's the backdrop uh, of this mystery, I appreciate that S.J. Bennett isn't, and I, I bear with me when I say this, isn't wasting our time with it. Yes. She's acknowledging that this is the backdrop of our mystery. She's acknowledging that this is a good character beat for a little bit rosy, for a lot for the Queen, who's our main detective. But at the same time, she's like, we're rushing past this. You're seeing it. It's happening. We're acknowledging it. But let's move on because we want to get back to the mystery. Yeah. The mystery's the meat of the story. Yeah, for the get back to the good part. So there's been a little bit of drip of some new information just to keep us on the hook. But otherwise, we're kind of like moving past it quick so that yeah. we can get back into the meat of things. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Me too. Yeah. Also, realistically, the queen would have to stop her investigation to queen for a little while. Indeed. Right? Like she, is... she didn't meet her self-imposed deadline. And if anything, this is her punishment. For her, <laughs> is that she has to do all this stuff while the mystery is still niggling yeah. away at the back of her mind. But this is very slice of life in the life of a royal. Yeah. Right? So yeah, realistically, this is what would happen. And you're right. She's kept it short and sweet. And yes, we acknowledge it. Yes, we move on. I like it too. I'm excited to get back to the mystery. Indeed. I really want to see how all this connects because right now it makes no sense to me. I feel like it's starting to come together a bit. We now have a very definite link between Dr. Styles and Brodsky. And that's hard to just ignore. And that strongly implies that the two deaths are not completely unconnected. So that, if anything, that is a huge break. Because that means, yeah, there's a link here. Dr. Yeah. Styles' death and Brodsky's death, something's going on there. Yeah. It's not two completely unrelated things. I feel like that's a linchpin that we should. So that that hair being Dr. Styles' hair, that's huge. That's actually a huge break. Even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment because she hasn't had an opportunity to really process it all. Because there's all this stuff going on. That is actually huge information. There's more. There's got to be more. There's oh, we'll more coming. More. There's like a big linchpin coming. I just Yeah, I feel, feel like... It. I feel like there's going to be a break in the case coming right away. I hope so. Um, she deserves one. She does deserve one. We actually, there was a little, there was a little social media exchange with SJ Bennett. Uh, she had listened to one of our, a couple episodes back, she had listened to it because it was one of her favorite chapters in the book and she wanted to hear what we had to say. And she then chimed in on social media mentioning that that was one of her favorite chapters. It was the chapter that was the information that had kind of, created the mystery in her mind like that was the the core clue that to her made the whole mystery unfold yeah and she admitted though afterwards like i i just wish that i hadn't given the queen such a hard time in that moment because <laughs> she's having a real bad time during that particular chapter because all of her theories are coming up with dead ends and stuff but that does mean that we can get confirmed that there's a core clue a few chapters ago oh yeah like a big linchpin clue that we hopefully caught so I guess we'll find out. I think it all hinges on that metal. Oh, certainly the queen feels that it hinges on that metal. There's yep. something about Dr. Styles not knowing yep. what that metal was about 
that is key to this investigation. Yep. And I, you might be hitting very, very close to the mark when you say that it's possible that Dr. Rachel Stiles isn't a real person. That it was a cover identity for... Someone else. An agent. Yeah. That there was a spy in the building that night, but it wasn't on the Queen's detail. It was right under MI5's nose, in fact. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm excited to find out. Indeed. Um, But we'll wrap it up there. Another kind of shortish episode, but again, another very short chapter. And I feel like we chewed over quite a bit of it, actually. I hope we didn't talk in too many circles. Indeed. Uh, So you'll want to read up on chapter 20 in time for next week. Yes. And in the meantime, of course, you can always give us a little rating and a review. We appreciate those. Absolutely, we do. You can also reach out to us on that social media. Yes. Uh, We are on the app formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those, so you can find us like that. Yeah, you can also reach out to us via email. Oh yes, please do. We are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much and we'll see you next time. More queening. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com